0: Welcome to the EK BJJ podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn and I am the host and founder of this show. I hope you're all doing well. This podcast is a movement designed to give you the tools to assist you through your jiu-jitsu journey. And I'm here to serve and share with you, the listener. If you're new here, welcome. And if you follow us already, I really, really appreciate your continued support. Before we get into the show, I want to take a moment to shout out our amazing collaboration family, Pedro and the team at Atama Europe. I believe Atama Europe makes some of the finest jiu kimonos for training in and they can be found at atamaeurope.com. For information on my association or becoming part of our global family, check out ekbjj.com. I'd also like to take a moment to invite you to join our student development program, which also can be found at ekbjjonline.com. So let's get into today's show, where I'll be talking about the three A's and the one R when it comes to injuries in Jiu-Jitsu. Avoiding, acceptance, adaptation, and recovery. So let me start by saying, There's probably a reason you've chosen to listen to this podcast today. Either the title enticed you in, or you could be injured, being injured, or afraid of getting injured whilst training jiu-jitsu. In my case, you know, I'm in my late 40s, and I started jiu-jitsu over 20 years ago. And during that time, I've not only witnessed, but I've also been victim of, or injured myself during that journey, that process of jiu-jitsu evolution from when I started training. If you're a younger person and you've taken the time to listen to this, you're probably, I'm guessing, one of the smartest people from your academy at the moment because the techniques are great, the mindset is great, the understanding of jiu-jitsu is unbelievable, but How to not get injured will keep you on the mat much more than any kind of supplement program, any training. The understanding of how not to get injured and how injuries happen is so important and that is something which I really, really want to touch on today. Take myself, for example, someone who's been practicing Jiu Jitsu for a very long time. When I started in my my younger days of Jiu Jitsu, I received a couple of minor injuries, some bent fingers, you know, rolled over my ankle. The usual sort of everyday injuries that you would expect from a jiu-jitsu uh, training session. Those injuries, I was able to work through them just through grit. You know, you got injured and it was like, yeah, big deal, we just push through. Later on in my life, I figured out that when I got injured, I, I'll, I'll talk about an injury that, that I received one time. It was a, a sh- my shoulder popped in an Americana. I got caught in an Americana arm lock, and the pop my shoulder went, and I continued to train. That injury stayed with me nearly a year, literally stuck with that injury. Sparring was difficult. If someone touched it, the pain was so excruciating, I just couldn't, you know, couldn't bear to be on the mat for that long. But being a teacher, I had to show up and I had to be there and there was an onus on me to be on the mat training with my students and also I wanted to get better too, I wanted to keep evolving and, and keep getting a deeper understanding of Jiu Jitsu, be, becoming sharper on the mat but the injury hindered me so bad. There were people at the academy that, that were training around me that I was just, I almost Hated, I guess because they were training to their full capacity and I wasn't and I was stuck in that that place of, of zero if you like where I was limited to what I could do. Now when that happened to me what I started to do was develop defense and offense on one of my sides. For example I would play the half guard position where if it was on my left arm which it was I would left arm to the ground using that half guard position. So I really developed the half guard that I have around being injured on that shoulder. I made good use of both my legs and the other arm while protecting my other arm. So I took that from a negative and made it into a positive, but it was very, very mentally discouraging. It was also uh, at great detriment to myself. I was really hard on myself, beat myself up. And at some point, during that process I can also remember I you know I wanted to quit jiu-jitsu. when you're younger you don't think about these things you know you like I said you you work through it and, and it doesn't bother you too much I did that so many times and, and hindsight's a wonderful thing if I've gone back to that situation or if I could I would not work through those injuries I would, I would rest them and, and recover them properly you know so that's that's kind of the worst thing that could happen to me anyway. You have to be careful on the mat. I really, really try to encourage my students, be careful. I give lots of safety warnings to my students. I don't want to see them injured. I want to see them off the mat. I want to see them training and progressing and, and being in that social environment and that community where they can grow and become better human beings through jiu-jitsu. Now, joint locks. Joint locks is one of the things that are completely unavoidable when it comes to jiu jitsu you are going to get your arm locked you are going to get your foot locked you are going to get your wrist locked Um, and they are joints that if injured are really really bad i'll give you an example if you slap a rear naked choke on someone and you squeeze the ultimate end result of that is death now we know we're not going to take it to that point but what we do know is If I put a rear naked choke on someone, and this has happened to me, someone's choked me and I've passed out. When you wake up, it's momentarily, you know, you you just disappear into nothingness and you wake up. Everyone's looking at you and 99% of the time, you can all laugh about it. You you should have tapped and all of these things come into play and it's fun. But with a joint lock, it is horrendous because what happens is, someone extends your arm whether you resist or not they pop your arm or you pop your arm whichever this scenario goes her whichever way it pans out you get injured you injure one of your joints and I'm using the arm lock as an example you pop your arm and then it's no longer fun to talk about that because if you've gone from that person now of oh there's that guy training again to where's that guy that's the Academy talk in your mind it goes from, pop, my arm's being been broken, or, and we had one of these in our academy, pop, my arm gets broken. You don't have a funny story to tell about that. There is no fun in that anymore. We can't laugh at your arm being broken. You know, we can laugh at the choke when you pass out and you wake up. Because in my academy, someone passed out, woke up and said to everyone, what are you doing in my bedroom? <laughs> so those are funny stories. If you break your limb, if you break an arm, pop an arm or a foot, you can't tell no funny stories about that. There is nothing funny about that. So you have to take serious care of your limbs. Always, 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 I'm a firm believer in that. In our beginner class, we try to avoid, or I I at least do not advocate, free sparring in that class. Positional sparring is fine, and no one should be extending joint locks to their full capacity no one should be doing that you should catch the position around the elbow not the wrist but you know when you're snaring the arm lock you're snaring your elbow to their elbow and you're leaning back and once the arms disconnect that is good enough at beginner level you shouldn't be hyper extending those arms those arms should not be hyper extended because of the mechanical wear and tear of those arms imagine we did arm bar drills and we did 50 arm locks on each arm three times a week for a month think about the wear and tear that that has on your arm you have to be safe with these positions so from our beginner class what we like to do is get the the person who's laying on their back or if they're in the closed guard whichever the scenario to link their arms together by linking their arms they are, they either grab wrist to wrist or fingers to fingers. So they're making a connective chain. Then the person arm locking will go from the mount, hands on the chest, leg around the head, sit down, not fall back, and then link the arm through the elbow. So their elbow joints are now connected. Once their elbow joints are connecting, we don't allow them to lay down fully, hyperextending the arm. We allow them to work on grip breaks. We allow them to break the grip and then secure the wrist. And that is as far as it goes. You should not be tapping in those drilling positions. It should not happen, you know. You have to take care of these things. The other thing is, for me, when it comes to safety before we get into the injuries is, You should not be tapping people when you're drilling. I'll say that again. You should not be tapping people during drilling. So as the instructor of the class, if I'm leading that class and I have the students on the mat and we have a specific drill that we are uh, reviewing or learning, what I say to them is do not tap your opponent. Go through the positions with zero stress applied. No resistance and no stress drill those positions back and forth once we do that i will then say okay guys let's add 10% now let's add 10% now here's the key factor here if my 10% is my 10% but someone who's 200 pounds maybe of muscle young athletic guy he or her 10% of pressure is going to be different to mine so we have to look at our training partners what's their experience, how big are they, how athletic are they, what's their age group. We have to take all of this into consideration when we are drilling with them because we don't want to smash or injure them. You know, we're not being bullies. We're trying to learn and grow as a collective. So that is something to take into mind when we're drilling. One of the other things I often see how injuries happen in training is usually people start drilling for two, three minutes, And then it suddenly turns into a sparring match. You know, you get a couple of guys on the mat who are friends, who are just like, yeah, I'm hearing the technique, I see the technique, yeah, I know the technique. You don't know that technique. And because you don't know that technique, you're now moving into a sparring match or you're moving into a realm where one or both of you are gonna get injured. And if one or both of you are not gonna get injured, the people around you could fall on them and they could get injured so do not you should not and i do not encourage and i will always pick you up on it if you are drilling a specific position that we are all drilling do not change that position into something else and do not start a sparring match if that happens change sparring partners change your drilling partners excuse me if you know that oh with me training with this guy we are going to eventually end up in a sparring match because one of us doesn't want to give or the other one doesn't want to give when it comes to drilling or i can't drill with that person change partners it's that simple everyone in the academy you can't drill with you cannot spar with everyone in the academy there are some people that i avoid sparring with which i'll come come to in a later part of this podcast you have to also remember there is no win or lose when it comes to both drilling and sparring there is no win or lose there is only a lose if you get injured. There is only a lose if you get injured or if you injure someone else. That's where the losing takes place. When you're inside the academy, you're meant to make these mistakes. This is part of the process. You're meant to learn from that part of the process. No one is there to like, if you, if I catch your arm and I, and I tap you, I don't run around the mat celebrating. Ah, yeah, I won. You know, and if you tap me, I don't slam the mat and scream and shout, oh, it was unfair, or it was this, or that, or whatever it was. It doesn't happen. You have to look at Jiu-Jitsu for what it is. Drilling is there to sharpen the tool, to build the reflex into the position, the understanding, the feel, the movement, what they are going to do, what you can expect for them to do. The flip side is they are understanding how you attack that arm lock. How you hit them with that sweep, how you're able to combine techniques and move them, move them around, you know, off balance them, so that when sparring does become live, they become familiar with that and their defense mechanisms become sharp. It's not there to kind of make you fight each other or, or make you better than the next person. It, 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 it doesn't work like that and it's never worked like that. I just want to talk also real quickly about. You know the injury cycles you know a lot of instructors say oh if you're injured still come in and train i would say that is a very very stupid thing to do if you're injured come in and train now with that said that depends on the injury you sustain i mean if you break your leg or break your arm or your neck you know at the worst god willing that doesn't happen but if that happens then i don't advise going into train but what i would advise is Protecting your training time by perhaps coming into the academy, taking notes, sitting on the sideline, watching the other students, looking at the drills from an outside perspective, from a completely different perspective. When I was injured, I did a lot of that. And to be honest, I learned so much in doing so. Now, with that said, remember the cycle of jiu-jitsu is a learning cycle. So some of us go to the academy to be social, some of us go there um, to make friends, some of us go there because jiu-jitsu is our life. If you take that away from someone through injury, you're taking away the social aspect, so you're taking away a lot of their friends, you're taking away their weekly program, how they fit that into their diary, you're taking away the social element of who they are. And you're also taking away their ability to interact and train with others because that's their community that's their family remember a lot of people train in my academy we estimate three to five times per week which is a lot for some people each one of those are individuals and each one makes their own decision of what days they come and what classes they attend with injuries it's a cycle when you get injured there is a cycle of recovery and if you break that cycle of recovery What happens is, you then reset that cycle to stage one. And I'll give you an example of a recovery cycle. Let's say for example, you pop a ligament. Firstly, what happens is the pop and then there's pain. The ligament then swells up and we try to treat it with ice, heat, whatever it is, but the injury swells. It's the first part of the cycle. The second uh, part of that cycle is that, that swelling has to go down but that does not mean the injury is healed once the swelling has gone down. It's going to be sore for some time. Then it starts to feel better and then you think oh, I know what I'll do. I'll go back to training because it feels better. I'll strap it up and I'll go back and then you interrupt the healing cycle. When you interrupt that healing cycle like I said it gets reset and then that By resetting that over and over, it becomes or could become a chronic injury, a chronic style of injury. And that goes back to me talking about when you're younger, if I'd have known what I know now about injuries and what I know about the recovery cycle, I definitely would have taken some time to recover. The other thing that happens when you get injured is fear factor comes into play. You become afraid a lot of people leave jujitsu when they get injured because they then don't trust other people we will come on to the trust subject later but they don't trust people they spar with they don't trust that individual perhaps bad vibes get created now accidents are accidents although i personally don't believe you could accidentally injure someone on the jujitsu mat um, i have been hit elbowed knees like i said in the head in the groin in the body because people are either cumbersome or they they just really don't know what they do when it comes to jiu-jitsu or they're just in an egocentric way to pass the guard or or, or prove to the black belt that they they are worth their salt on the mat. I always say this, that you didn't start jiu-jitsu to give up your life. I didn't start jiu-jitsu to give up the rest of my life. Jiu-jitsu is a part of my life and it's a very big part, but it's not all of my life. Your jiu-jitsu should serve your life, should serve you, not you serve it. So I gave jiu-jitsu to my life. I didn't give me to jujitsu. So to make that part of my life, what I did was I started jiu-jitsu to improve my life, to get in better shape, um, to help with my emotional state, because at the time I had some emotional stuff going on, and to improve my well-being my general well-being and of course to make friends and build lifelong relationships and ultimately to become a teacher so that's why I joined Jiu-Jitsu and that's a mindset thing that's an adaptation that you should you know take or look at Jiu-Jitsu through that perspective because that really served and helped me when it came to to Jiu-Jitsu that I didn't start Jiu-Jitsu to give up my life I started jujitsu to give to my life and you know that served me really well over my time training it's it's a great kind of philosophical look for myself and it served me well and hopefully it will serve you well too i often talk in my academy about when we're training and i'm talking about the sparring components here that when we're training that our opponent should feel like a ship in stormy water. It's never settled, it should always be unsettled, whether it's just rocking to the side or it's in a real bad storm. But by doing that, I cannot injure them in the process. Hopefully, if we're sparring, they have a really good understanding of jiu-jitsu and what to expect. So if they get swept or or off balance, they're not gonna freak out. They're not gonna get swept, hold, oh no, I've just been swept in their head, and they hold that rather than the fight continues or the sparring continues. And then that plays havoc with their mind and in doing so they they then start resisting even more and we eventually end up with one of us getting injured or worse. I always consider that philosophy when I'm on the the mat and I always like to say that I'm not a lifeguard when it comes to jujitsu. I'm more like a swimming instructor. Now, this isn't my quote. I can't remember where I heard this, but it was a perfect analogy for me. And I've held it dearly since I heard this. I'm not a lifeguard, meaning I don't want to be running around my academy trying to save people, trying to save them from sparring too hard, trying to say, hey, stop rolling hard, stop using power, get back on the mat, be careful. I don't want to be a jiu-jitsu lifeguard. I want to be a jiu-jitsu instructor. So if I'm teaching my... If I use that analogy of the lifeguard and the swim instructor... If I'm if I'm not saving my students, they will drown. But I don't want them to drown. So what I do is I teach them to swim. If that makes sense to you guys. Because I don't want to take the time to teach them to drown. I'd rather make them able to swim in the storm. And that's the concept of Jiu-Jitsu. That, that's kind of how I summarize summarize my jiu-jitsu that i'm teaching them to swim rather than saving them from drowning and if we build or if you build that into jiu-jitsu what do you get you get a lot of people that are aware that yes they're in water but don't panic because they can swim now Hoyes had a really nice quote one time he said i am the shark the ground is my ocean and if we get into a tussle, I'm gonna grab you, pull you to the ground and drown you using Jiu And I think, I can't be sure, I think I heard the analogy of, of the lifeguard and the swim instructor, which I absolutely love. I think that, that was around someone from that academy way back then. And I've done it a complete disservice by quoting it the way I have, but it makes perfect sense to me. So, so let's move into dealing with injuries and at the start of the show i began to talk about the three a's and one r which is a mnemonic that i use um, when i'm when it comes to jujitsu injuries the first one is avoidance you know avoid, try to avoid injuries that will cost easier said than done but here's a couple of ideas how i do it during my avoidance process what i do is i warm up properly by warming up properly i mean raising my body temperature so it could be star jumps could be running around could be hip escapes could be yoga style stretching but i'm going to warm up my body as much as i can before the class starts which will in turn help me avoid injuries when we talk about avoidance of injuries also we also have to listen to our body. If we've feeling a little sore, or a little beat up from a class a couple of days back, then maybe today I'm not going to roll so hard. Today I'm not going to spar with you know the two hundred pound guy or girl who is more aggressive than I am, or who likes to go at it. Because we all like to do that, but there's right times and right places for that. So avoiding injuries by using warm ups, yoga stretching, raising our body temperature and not rolling all the time having these hard rolls if we do get injured we have to accept that acceptance is a massive thing some of us won't accept that oh we we, we're badly injured or you know we cannot go to the academy because we're injured we will just go there show up like a car wreck get on the mat train, train 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 as that goes further and further the injury doesn't heal goes back to the healing cycle and then we be- it becomes chronic and that's where we want to avoid it because i have chronic injuries i have aches and pains but they're injuries that i don't want to progress anymore i'm trying to recover and heal them and, and you should too when it comes to that so that's the second day acceptance and then we have adaptation now this goes back to what I was saying about not rolling or not showing up for training when you're injured. There are times when you can adapt your training if you're injured. For example, if you've injured some fingers, yeah, absolutely, you can take those together, you can come onto the mat and then you can not grip or grab with those fingers. And I always say this as part of the adaptation, I tell my training partner, hey, listen, I've injured this arm. Please, please, please don't touch that arm. And if they cannot resist but grab that arm, then I'm going to stop the the training with them. Now, not sparring. Don't spar with them, but it's okay to drill. Again, goes back to what I was saying earlier about finding the right partner to train with. Find the right partner that isn't going to, you know, overstep the mark when you're training. Is not going to become... He's not going to turn the drilling into a sparring match. It's not going to go 100 miles an hour at you. So you can adapt. Now, if you can't drill and then you can't roll because you're injured, then show up and watch the class. Get a different view of the class. Maybe take notes of what people are doing, what they're good at, what they're bad at, what sides they like to attack from. Build a mental game around your own game by viewing that class. I used to do that a lot. Even sometimes, you know, I'd, I'd pay a certain amount of money for classes throughout that week. What I could afford. And then the other days, I would just show up, sit on the sideline and just watch. Watch how it was done. Learn some stuff from the instructor. See how he was teaching. What made those students like that instructor? Why did I like that instructor? I really kind of psychoanalyzed my jiu-jitsu in order to progress my jiu-jitsu. So, you know, that's a great way to adapt that adapting injury. Then we have the R. So the three A's in the R. The R stands for recovery. Remember the recovery cycle. The recovery cycle without hitting the reset button. Okay, that's the major key here. If you're injured, yes, you may feel that it's better. It may be okay. But is it really? No one knows but you. If you get injured, ask yourself, You know, because I I can weight bear on it, because I can run on it, because I can do this on it. Does that mean I can go back to full training and full sparring? That's for you to decide. We don't know. We go on what you say. Now, if you showed up with a cast into my class, there's no way you're getting on the mat training. If you showed up with a couple of fingers that you said, oh, I just bent my fingers back, absolutely fine. I also have to look at these injuries because am I progressing them Or am I assisting you in your healing? As an instructor, that's something I have to look at. You can't just show up and you'll be fine, get on the mat and you're held together by tapes and staples. You know, that's not a good look for anyone. So that is super, super important uh, for me. So that is my three A's and R's and one R when it comes to um, injuries in Jiu-Jitsu. Avoidance or avoiding, acceptance, adaptation, and finally, recovery and you know before before we 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 get off the show today i I just want to give you some some other tips of my own that that i use for tips to prevent injuries and these are just my own sort of eight that i I use as a checklist number one is obviously the warming up properly we we discussed that's part of the avoidance number two is drill slowly with zero resistance adding percentages of resistance to your drilling time or your sparring time. Number three for me is a huge one, never trust people to train light. This one has injured so many people, I don't trust anyone on the mat, especially people I don't know. When you say to someone, hey let's do a light roll, what do they actually mean by that? What is this light roll that everyone talks about but never materializes? You know, you get some guys, hey, let's do a light warm-up roll. You start rolling with the guy. Before you know it, you're in an all-out. Mundial championship fight for your lifestyle of grapple. You don't want to get involved in that. You know, so never trust people to roll light. Always be very defensive. Always be very aware. And if you don't know that person, it's okay to say, hey, listen, you know, I'm not really going to roll with you right now and give them the reason why reason is I'm just coming back from an injury I don't want to get re-injured no offense however this happened to me before and I don't want it to happen but I'm happy to drill with you no problem you know I'm sure they'll understand this one especially goes to white belts but you know I'll say this all the way through all of the belts tap early and if you're a white belt tap often tap early tap often is a uh, is a is something I use with my white belts and that is any sign of discomfort, anything that doesn't feel that your body naturally, you know, is is feeling good for you, tap immediately. If you cannot tap on the person with your hands, tap with your feet. If you cannot tap with your feet, verbalize that tap. Always tap. Tap early. Tap often. Now, I had a situation a long, long time ago where a student of mine was claustrophobic, and I didn't know. I had no idea. And in training with him. I put him under the mount, and he's a lot bigger than I am, and I start to to put pressure on him. And during that pressure, he almost had a panic attack. And it was only at that point that I became aware that, wow, that was something I never expected. I didn't expect that. One of the things I do when I train with people, I say, do you have any injuries? They say no. And I say, nor do I. Let's keep it that way. Let's train together and let's grow together. That way... You're safe, they're safe, you've already set some guidelines, and guidelines are really important, and those guidelines could be, hey buddy, you know, I injured my shoulder last week, I'm going to go a little easy, so please go easy or I'm going to stop the roll. Good, great, let's go. The other thing is, your own friends in the academy take that as a joke, like, hey, I'm injured, I've had this before, someone said to me, hey look, I haven't trained that long, or, you know, I had an injury and I've, and then suddenly, they go hammer, hammer and nail. You know, don't ever be afraid to stop the sparring and say, hey, right now, I want to draw a little bit different to this. I don't think I'm the right sparring partner for you. End the story. That's all you need to say. Right. So that's number four. Moving on from number four to number five is learn to let go. Learn to let go. And I don't mean let go of submissions. What I mean by that is it's a training environment. So... If you catch a submission and someone is really resisting, really, really resisting, don't force the submission. Let it go. Learn to move on. You know you had that. They know you had that. The difference is their ego or their emotional state at that moment doesn't allow them to let go. So don't injure them. Let go. Let it move on. The other thing, when i'm talking about learn to let go is you are not going to be able to dominate or tap everyone in the academy you are at some point henzo summed this up well at some days you're going to be the hammer and some days you're going to be the nail you know those days swap back and forwards and when they do you just have to accept that that is part of growth that is part of jujitsu so learn to let go number six is always a big one and I, i touched on this briefly And that is be selective with your training partners and your drilling partners. Be selective, meaning the academy is full of different bodies, of different energies, of different people, with different intent, with different learning styles and different jujitsu styles. Be selective with your training partner to me means that I'm not... Able to train with everyone. One because I'm the instructor in the academy and lots and lots of people want to train with me, which is fine. But not everyone I like to train with. Some people want to, you know, you've got the proving guy in the academy. You've got the guy, the guy who taps early, too early in the academy, like you pass the guard, they tap. You've got the you know, all kinds of guys in the academy and girls. I can't train with everyone in the academy. I know that they're not for me to train with, but I also know I'm not there to train with them. You know, if you get a huge guy versus a small guy, yes, you could train with them, but at some point something could go horribly wrong. So select your training partners well, And be selective with who you loan your body to to train with. Make sure you can trust them. Make sure that when you tap, they let go. Make sure that if they catch a position, they're not falling back and snapping on that um, submission. And make sure that when you're training with them, that they're not aggressive. They're not grinding their elbows when they're passing the guard. They're not pushing their um, forearms into your face and all of that stuff. Because that also to me is not jujitsu that's something else so learn to be selective with your training partners number seven this goes more for off of the mat when it comes to not getting injured in jujitsu hydration both on and off the mat sleep not on the mat strictly for off the mat unless you're being choked out of course and of course water Water comes into the hydration side of it, okay? But when I was talking about hydration, I'm talking about electrolytes, I'm talking about that stuff, not just the water side of stuff. Adequate sleep, do you have adequate sleep? Because that will affect the way you train, that will affect your performance on the mat, that will affect your performance throughout the day. Your hydration will affect your performance on the mat—it will have multiple effects across the body. Your—you know—we do 10-minute rounds at the academy, and that can be a 10-minute round of pleasure, of movement, of flow, or it can be a 10-minute round of hell. You know, when one person's stuck underneath with an ugly face, and it stays ugly for three days, just like those uh, fish oil tablets I was talking about in the previous podcast, or it can be. You know, one of those most frustrating times when the guy has, you know, he's a black belt in crossbody and you're a white belt in escaping. So, you know, you have to make sure that you're taking care of both your jujitsu time on the mat and off the mat. All of these things will, will add up and make your jiu-jitsu journey better than it is now. Hydration, sleep, water, incredible parts of jujitsu not to be overlooked very very important number eight and my final tip for avoidance of injuries when it comes to jiu-jitsu is it's okay to say no if you're exhausted if you're exhausted prime example last night we had we rolled for which was friday we do 10 minute rounds i did five rounds of 10 minutes with one minute breaks in between. No, I'm not Superman. The other students in the academy did exactly the same thing. The difference is when I'm sparring at, at, at that, that level, I'm sparring with multiple people. I'm sparring with everyone from black belts all the way through the rank to white belt. When I train with white belts, I like to let them flow a little bit. I like to let them get some positions. I like them, I like to see what their jujitsu is becoming or, or how they've progressed. When I train with blue belts, I train a little differently. Same with purple belts and brown and black belts. Now, does my training change when I'm exhausted? Absolutely it does. If I'm exhausted and, and another black belt comes to me and says, hey prof, you know, let's put some mat tie let's get some rounds in yes i will train but my training will change a little bit when i look at the person are they younger are they athletic are they heavier you know with the same belt but are they in the gym five times a week as well as come into training are they naturally physically gifted if they are i will sometimes say listen i'm a little exhausted give me a round out i'll come back and train with you or let's go again on monday let's roll wednesday let's roll friday next friday Because I don't feel that need to roll with them when I'm exhausted. I have nothing to prove at that time However, if I roll when I'm exhausted and then I get injured, I'm now away from the academy I don't get to spend time in my social circle. I don't get time to spend with my students It looks bad as the instructor of the academy And what do I have to do? I have to still show up put my kimono on and teach the class. So I'm very, very careful when it comes to rolling while I'm exhausted or sparring or training while I'm exhausted. I'm the first one to say I observe a lot of stuff that happens in the academy and then I also train a lot. And remember, I teach group classes, private classes throughout the day. It's not a single class. I'm teaching throughout the day, most of the days. So I always take into consideration, you know, my body, I try to protect myself or protect my my body from from injuries so guys there you have it podcast for today i really hope you enjoyed it i really hope it gave you some value if it has please subscribe leave us a comment let us know also if you have any questions about anything if you'd like to see something in a podcast or hear something let me know you can find me on instagram on twitter on all the social media platforms and you know have a great week guys and hopefully i'll catch up with you guys on the mat if you want to stop by our academy and join join in pop in for a class feel free please 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 let's not get injured in jiu-jitsu Until next time guys have a great week speak soon to spend with my students it looks bad as the instructor of the academy and what do i have to do i have to still show up put my kimono on and teach the class so i'm very very careful when it comes to rolling while I'm exhausted or sparring or training while I'm exhausted. I'm the first one to say, I observe a lot of stuff that happens in the academy. And then I also train a lot. And remember, I teach group classes, private classes throughout the day. It's not a single class. I'm teaching throughout the day, most of the days. So I always take into consideration you know, my body. I try to protect myself or protect my, my body from, from injuries. So, guys, there you have it, podcast for today. I really hope you enjoyed. I really hope it gave you some value. If it has, please subscribe, leave us a comment, let us know. Also, if you have any questions about anything, if you'd like to see something in a podcast or hear something, let me know. You can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, on all the social media platforms. And, you know, have a great week, guys. And hopefully I'll catch up with you guys on the mat. If you want to stop by our academy and join Join in, pop in for a class, feel free. Please, 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 let's not get injured in jiu-jitsu. Till next time, guys, have a great week. Speak soon.